Welcome to The Rot Focus, a podcast for rotters, newbies, and veterans, and everyone in between. We're hosted by M.A. Lee with the assistance of Remy Black and Edie Rooms, all from Rotters Inc. Books. Our focus is productivity, process, craft, and tools. Each episode lasts as long as it takes to fix a quick dinner, grab a short commute, or take a brisk walk. Resources and links are in the show notes. Visit us at therockfocus.blogspot.com. Now, on to this week's episode. First, let's have a last check-in for the June Writing Challenge. In our last episode, we still had June 28, 29, and 30 for the challenge. We had 38,156 words in the manuscript at the rough right stage, which was 94% of our goal. On June 28, we wrote 2,103 words, which is more than 600 words over the daily go. June 29, 1,806 words. June 30, our last day, a big push, 2,043 words. That's for the last three days. 5,952 words added, bringing our manuscript total to 44,108. My goal was 45,000 words, so I'm off just a little bit, but I've achieved 98% of the goal. Success! Even if I had only managed 5,000 words in the whole month, it's still a success because it's more than a blank sheet of paper. Now, for this week's episode, we start a series on branding. First, we'll talk about the history and importance of branding and a few definitions. In later episodes, we'll talk first impressions and iconography, wording with images, basically telling a story with words on the front cover. This is our focus all through July and August. Let's begin. Branding, history, and definitions. Back in the old, wild American West of the late 1800s, ranchers put brands on their cattle to identify their property. Not for the market, no. To prevent cattle rustling, the brands had to be small enough and plain enough to be formed from one wrought iron pole. As simple as an alphabet letter or an arrow in an R, the brands matched to the name of the ranch. Potter's marks have been around for millennia, long before the ancient Romans. People have always valued the jars and containers thrown by the better potters. Still to this day, Rockwood Pottery and Roseville Pottery are prized names in the antique market. These markets, as well as Weller Pottery, offer proof of quality work with artistic designs. The patronage mark of royalty offers the stamp of approval for a specific product from a particular company. The Red and White Campbell's Soup Label became a trusted product for a mother on the run. The Nike Swoop and the slogan, Just Do It, together created a modern brand, trademarked, yet so ubiquitous that everyone immediately identifies image and words with the Nike company, no matter what problems they have. That's the mark of a highly successful brand image and words associated with a maker to help identify products for the consumer. 
Here are the three important words for the consumer. Writing belongs in the entertainment industry. Even nonfiction books like this one are designed as entertainment rather than a dry, instruction-based technical manual. Entertainment is for the consumer. The satisfaction of the consumer comes first. Yes, we can write the books of our heart. As soon as we put them into the marketplace, however, the books become product designed for consumer satisfaction. That puts a completely different spin on our writing. It is no longer ours, not when we intend to sell it. Then, whatever we write, see the difference in terminology, becomes what we will offer in a marketplace. We also need to change how we talk about what we do. We say books. We should say projects that become products. With a solid brand offering clearly identifiable products to satisfied consumers, we've crossed from our cute little cubby writing hole into the stratosphere of the marketplace, brimming with consumers looking for a guaranteed experience. When we craft our brand, we have to take this crowded marketplace, crowded by consumers and by other offerings, into our equation. We have to consider what will make our products stand apart from everything else that is offered. Distractions and competitors, blingy new and tried and true old. The brand doesn't benefit us except on the backside of the product, when the satisfied consumer purchases more of our products. Without the consumer's satisfaction, branding means nothing. Confused yet? Let's try this another way. In the marketing world, branding stands for the marketing efforts that help consumers find a particular product. In a big box store, a type of product distributor, people encounter clothing for all ages in all sizes, house and garden products, food, personal and hygiene products, pet supplies, entertainment offerings from toys for children to toys for adults like tech gadgets, and more, including things that defy classification like greeting cards. Target stores are a particular brand of distributor. Walmart is another. Hobby Lobby is a third. We can buy Legos and Burt's Bees and Procter & Gamble and Smart Water. The offerings seem endless. As we enter the big box store, the distributor has organized products based on categories, then types, and finally, products. Personal hygiene, bath soap, Dove. The specific brand comes last, after category, after type. For books, categories divide into fiction versus nonfiction, category, then genres, types, then books, products. Branding helps us find the products once we've narrowed down categories and types whether we're looking for toys or light bulbs or bath soaps. We writers think branding is completely new, but branding for books has been around since the early 1900s. It just wasn't called branding. That word became applied to the book business somewhere before 2010. Nowadays, everyone in the publishing business, traditional and independent, tosses around the term without bothering to define it. In the early days of the ebook revolution, before 2014, writers talked about branding a series. 
when I began publishing in 2015. My cover designer mentioned branding the first three books, creating a common look for the three books that would stand together even as they had different cover images. I had no idea what branding for books meant, so I headed off for research and found very little help. I did find other writers, successful ones, advising newbies like me to focus on branding books and series rather than creating an author brand. That advice was heavily influenced by the scarcity of the books in the electronic marketplace. Now, people talk about author brands, the focus of this book, as if it will be the answer to success. And branding certainly will assist success, but it won't guarantee it. The size of the marketplace creates the difficulty, and the marketplace keeps growing. The size of the marketplace has also created that difficulty for decades upon decades. New writers, for a long time, depended upon word of mouth to sell their products. Then the local bookstores collapsed. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Some local bookstores restricted what was available on the shelves. Yet it is truly a bad thing in this respect. When a reader came in looking for a new book to read, the small bookstore owners knew their stock well enough to say, this book is like that one. Why don't you try this? When the first chain stores in the malls pushed out the local bookstores, the chain store workers rarely knew all of the product in the store. They might know a few writers in a couple of the genres, like fantasy or historical romance, but not science fiction and historical mysteries. Then the mall chain stores were pushed out of business by the big box bookstores, and those workers certainly didn't know all the product. The ones that I encountered didn't know the big name authors outside of their genres, and a few weren't even readers, happily stocking the art books and the magazines, but unfamiliar with anything that wasn't a movie tie-in. Painful years for readers. The mall stores and the big box stores led to the age of the blockbuster bestseller, however, because the store workers knew management wanted them to push those books to people who were buying to read, and consumers bought because they didn't have time to search through the endless shelving to find something to read. It's interesting that brandy became an extremely important word to writers in the book market when the chain stores and the big box stores pushed out the small independent book owners. The independent bookstores are making a comeback while the big box stores are closing. That's an interesting happenstance. But the print book market has always branded for author and for genre. Those words just weren't that important to the individual writer. Marketing by the traditional publishers handled the branding. With the rise of self-published writers, marketing words are on the rise. A great example of the early book branded by the traditional publisher is the vintage gothics of the 1950s to 1970s. The covers always depicted a woman running from a mysterious dark castle. Victoria Holt, actually Eleanor Hibbert, she had a total of eight pseudonyms. You should read her up. Anyway, Victoria Holt's Mistress of Malin and The Shadow of the Lynx are perfect examples of that vintage gothic cover. Holt also wrote historical novels under the name Jean Plady and Philippa Carr, as well as other pseudonyms. As Plady, 
The covers for her series about the Queens of England would depict a proud woman standing before images of castles or pageantry, sometimes with a man. The costuming and images identified the time period as it did for Light on Lucretia and Hammer of the Scots, as well as Daughter of Satan. As Carr, she wrote multi-generational family sagas, the covers of which usually depicted another woman in historical costume, but lacking the ornate costume of royalty and usually in a garden rather than a grand locale like court or castle. Three separate brandings for her three separate pseudonyms. The products are being identified for the consumer. The novels of the pulp writers like Mickey Spillane, John D. MacDonald, Ed McBain, Louis L'Amour, Lester Dent experienced the same strong branding. The covers depicted a big brawl man, usually in trench coat, facing tough thugs or an alluring siren a la the Maltese Falcon. Marketers use branding to attract readers' attention. They make mistakes, the same as anyone, but collective experience cuts down on the mistakes. The best examples of cover branding tie the book to a specific author. Jim Plady's covers set her books apart from the other historical novels on the shelf. When they picked up a book by Jean Plady, readers knew they would get a story about the long history of English royalty written by a great novelist. Victoria Holt competed for shelf space against hundreds of other vintage Gothic writers mimicking the genre cover brand. And that's an issue that plagues writers today. As soon as one writer creates a successful brand, other writers jump onto the specific genre and cover design and compete through mimicry. The only way an author can compete is to keep writing and keep tweaking the brand to show its evolution. Some writers are trying to trademark words or images. Trademarking words isn't possible unless the product is not normally associated with the word. Apple computers and apple as a fruit. The only way to trademark an image is to use an original and copyrighted image as cover art. The best stories by the best writers will always stand out. Here's our new way of thinking, our keys to branding. Brand means images and words associated with a maker to help identify products for the consumer. Brands identify quality work with artistic effort. Writing belongs in the entertainment industry. Books are projects that become products. Branding helps distinguish the product, the book and the writer, from others in the marketplace. And the brand is crucial in the marketplace because we have only three glances to snare a reader. The first glance only lasts a second or two. First impressions given at that first glance are crucial. And that's our focus for our next episode. Thanks for listening to The Right Focus, a podcast for writers at all levels, hosted by Emma Lee from Writers Inc. Books, assisted by Remy Black and Edie Runes. Our focus is productivity, 
process, craft, and tools. Music is licensed through Audio Jungle called Background Music Loop. Its creator is Alexander Polishchuk, known on Audio Jungle as Plastic 3. The music comes in different iterations. Show notes and resource links for this and other episodes can be found at therightfocus.blogspot.com. Write to us at winkbooks at aol.com when you have questions, comments, and speculations. We will try to answer you as quickly as possible. By the way, we will not mind your email address. That's rude. If you find value in our content, share with your writing friends or write a review. We're small beans here without the advertising budget of the big peeps, and you can make a difference. And whatever occurs, right on.